0: Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, broadcaster, podcaster, dog enthusiast, and podcast lover, and I'm excited to be back with my partner.
1: And I am Senator Jen, because that is what I'm doing right now, actually. We're down at the Gold Dome, and uh, people like to say the... 40 most dangerous days for the people of Georgia. And I I think that may be true. Sounds like a movie. Sounds like a show I'd want to binge watch. Yeah, I don't think you want to binge this. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, let's get started with the most exciting news in our world this week is that your attorney general race, uh, some pretty big moves there. Your primary opponent, Charlie Bailey, has pivoted to run for lieutenant governor. Is this
1: something that you knew was coming? No, I would have liked to have known it was coming. No, I had no clue. I mean, I got a Twitter notification. Greg Bluestein had posted an article, which was basically like this whole, I guess they released it to Greg and Greg did the story and then they, you know, they let it go. And I was just floored. That's obviously like, you know, you were
0: going to have to go into a primary this spring against him. And that's
1: so now you're not uh, up against anybody. Right. Well, look, uh, there's qualifying in March. And so there's always um, candidates can always can jump in. Right. Um, But I will say that, look, I've been in this race for almost a year now. And I still felt like I didn't have enough time to raise the money or make the contacts that I really needed, you know, I, I really felt like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is in May. Um, and I've been in this a year and we've raised like over 1.3 million and we've got like 1.1 on hand. And so I can't imagine someone coming into this race, you know, when we have the primary in uh in May. But, but with that said, look, I mean, that's what races are for. Well, that's the
0: great attitude that you have is when you're a winner, you always have to know that someone could be sneaking up from the behind. You just never, you can never be too confident. And by the way, Mazel Tov, congratulations on that fundraising. I see the board right here. It's a big pot of gold gold <laughs> right here in the, the Jen Jordan headquarters. That's pretty
1: exciting. It is. Look, I think that... Um, B. Wynn, who's running for secretary of state, is going to have a really good number. Um, But we have been on top um, with fundraising in terms of Democratic candidates. Of course, not Stacey or, you know, the good reverend. (laughs) But in terms of down ballot statewides, I mean, you know, we're doing pretty well. And to be um, a woman who did have a primary challenger, you know, people don't like to get involved in primaries. It makes them uncomfortable. So I think we've we've really shown that we've got the medal and the ability to, you know, to win in November.
0: You love a primary. You love competition.
1: I love competition. Yeah, you do. I do. I do. It's the thing that kind of gets me going. Because that's just it. It makes you work. If I didn't have a, a primary opposition in Charlie, now let me tell you something. I am very glad I don't have him in my race anymore. But if, if he hadn't have been in the race, right, I mean, we wouldn't have, I wouldn't have started my campaign so early. I wouldn't have started fundraising so early or any of the things that really I needed to be doing so that we, you know, so that we can win as we, I was going to say next year, but we're already in 22. We're in it, girl. Oh, we're in God. it. Senator, uh, get ready.
0: Okay. Well, best of luck to Charlie. Uh, he's not the only one running for Lieutenant Governor.
1: No. And there's a, It there's a lot of, Um, there are at least three sitting house reps. I mean, we've talked about the folks before, Eric Allen. Um, Derek Jackson, Renita Shannon are already in it. Um, it's a pretty crowded field, and there's talk that Kwanzaa Hall may be, oh, my old friend Quanza, to jump in. Okay, I'm not sure why he'd want to do that, but <laughs> all right. Okay, um, you know it's a crowded field, and look, Charlie is is going to work like he was working against me. He's going to raise money, and it's gonna it's gonna be um, it's gonna be competitive. Well they all have a lot of fans and
0: supporters, so uh we wish them all the best
1: yes, we do let's
0: get to session you returned to the gold dome for session the forty days uh of of, of Raman <laughs> uh, which was really interesting to me how like it was the first day it was just like all right everybody, welcome back go dogs bye. <laughs>
1: Well, and then they take off Tuesday so people can recover, you know, because they stayed out a little too late. Right. I mean, I was like, you can really see the priorities of this state just based on that right there. (laughs) And so um, a lot of things
0: that, that have happened, the
1: governor gave his state of the state speech Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like he was giving away money like it was like Oprah's favorite thing show. It was like you get 5,000 and you get 5,000 and you get 250. I was telling somebody today, I was like, "Man, inflation must be going up because in 96 people only paid $50 for votes in Dodge County. Now he's doing 250? It's like goodness. Who knew?" Yeah, so a lot
0: of things were announced. And then the, the, uh, this makes me laugh every, every year when they have that breakfast called Eggs and Issues. That yeah. just sounds, can they come up with a better name, Eggs and Issues? Well, you know
1: what's so funny about that is that literally there are no eggs. <laughs> and honestly, they're not talking about issues. It's just a platform, you know, for the governor or the lieutenant governor to get up there and talk. So it was one of those things where, The first time I went and there's all it's big, right? Lots of people, lots of businesses, all that kind of stuff. And then you sit down and you get a Chick-fil-A biscuit. (laughs) I'm like, well, where's the X?
0: Let me get this straight. There is this huge event every year. This year it was held at the Fox Theater.
1: Yes. And I will say I did not go. And the reason I did not go is because of COVID. Okay. But also because the Georgia Chamber has already endorsed my opponent. So I was like, you
0: know. Okay. Okay. So in the past, you've gone to the Eggs and Issues breakfast and there are no eggs for breakfast.
1: I have never had eggs at the Eggs and Issues breakfast. Uh, Wow. I know. For me, this
0: is a huge breaking story. (laughs) 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 Because, you know, when food and politics intersect, that's interesting. All right. So the governor now has stood up and he has uh, introduced a lot of, you know, what he says is a very, very conservative agenda. Is there anything good that he proposed that you liked?
1: Look, I'll say this in terms of some of the pay raises, the five thousand dollars to state employees. First off, I think it you know, I don't like that he is just saying for every person, regardless of where they are on the pay scale or, I mean, is Kirby smart going to get another (laughs) $5,000? I mean, you know, he he's, he's not struggling right in terms of pay, but he's a state employee. Right. So it's one of these things where, you know, he could have been a little smarter about that, but I have been banging for years that our state employees do not get paid enough. I mean, you would be amazed and the problem is if we don't pay our state employees, then they have to I mean, literally people are having to get food stamps and get assistance just so that they can feed their families. And they work for the state. So it's one of those things where I applaud, I will all day long I'll stand up and say, People, yeah, there are people in this state that need a raise. I don't like the way you did it. And it sure looks really political. Like an election ploy, right? As we're
0: going in, like, hey, see everybody? I'm not so bad. Look. Open
1: your mail. You get two hundred and fifty dollars. Hey, everyone, right. it's, it's a like party. Publishers Clearinghouse,
0: right? And of course, they've introduced you know the stuff that always really gets to me is the um, look. I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time on the critical race theory stuff because it makes no sense to me because it's not even being taught, and it's like you're this here's this big boogeyman. I don't know how you fight against something that that isn't there. It's really
1: weird. Well, it's just a talking point for them, right? I mean. What's what's interesting about kind of the critical race theory, and we can, let's not even talk about the subject matter itself, but Republicans have been in control of this state forever, in control of the education system at the top. The governor, all of it. But now they're going to prohibit something that, A, isn't happening, but not only that, if it is, it's been on their watch. Like, I just, it's very confusing to me. Yeah. But look, this is all performative. This is all about primary politics.
0: Well, I tweet about this all the time. And, and that is, look, I have a high schooler and as do you to, you know, to high school and, and junior high. These kids are going to find out anything they want on their phones and on the internet. So I just don't, I think it's very, very close-minded to just think you're you're doing right by kids by trying to change tr- curriculums or take books out of schools. I think th- there's much better solutions as far as really looking at what they're seeing
1: on the internet. No, and th- and that's the problem. I mean, we're not focused on what's really going on. This really is just This is all consultant driven, right? Right. Some political consultant who's getting paid lots of money has seen a poll or done a poll that says, ha, if you talk about this and you divide this state, um, you're going to get these folks to vote for you.
0: How is Stacey Abrams going to combat that? How is she going to come up against this? Do you think that because it seems like, well, I want to talk about her in a minute. Let me get back to that for a minute because I want to get back to that point. Let's get back to this session and the Buckhead City thing. Because Okay, so we have the governor's agenda and all the things that he talked about and all the gun stuff, which is we're going to have to save for another episode. Yeah,
1: that's that's a really bad thing.
0: Yeah. The gun stuff is, I don't understand how you're keeping kids safe in Atlanta or Georgians safe by saying... Hey, everybody. Let's get some more guns. But let's talk about Buckhead City because the Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan seems to have uh, or as Greg Bluestein said,
1: he put it in a body bag, but it may still be alive. I mean, so this is this is the deal, and this is where the power of the lieutenant governor is in a lot of ways, and it is the power of assignment, okay? And so a bill gets filed. It goes to the lieutenant governor and kind of this committee on assignments that has this power. And they make a determination as to which committee to send it to. If it is a controversial issue that they are trying to get through, they'll send it to committees that they know will do their bidding for them, right, and get it out. Um, This happened with 481. It's like we had the, this abortion bill. The abortion ban should have gone to judiciary, right? Very complicated legal bill, period. Instead, they sent it to science and technology. Yeah, it, it didn't it make no sense. And, right. it's, and it's because the chair of that committee at the time, Renee Unterman, basically had said, I'm going to get this out for you. Right, because she's a big pro-lifer. That's yes. her whole... That's jam. her whole jam and, yes. and all of that. And so that's what they do. They pick it. So the inverse is true, too. Like, if they don't want a bill to get out, they'll send it to to different committees that they know it won't get out of. And also to send a message. I mean, this was a little bit of a, you know, a message, I should say. So they sent it to the the lieutenant governor. They assigned it to Urban Affairs. Which you think, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. City? Sure. Whatever. Of course. Whatever. The problem is that that is an all-democratic committee. Okay. And, yeah. So, was that
0: Jeff Duncan's Doing and thinking.
1: So it was Duncan and the Committee on Assignments, which right. includes other people. Okay. Right? It's the power structure, the Republican power structure. Now, this is where it gets complicated. Uh-huh. So bear with me. Okay. So Duncan gets all these kind of accolades for doing this, right? Yes, like, right, right. Look at this guy. We can count on him. Okay. Business yeah, yeah, yeah. is excited. Explain this, this to me. All Yeah. That. Right. Look, and that was kind of a smooth move, I have to say. I mean, I went up to him afterwards and said, you know. It would have been better if you put it in my committee, but I, you know, <laughs> whatever I get it. Um, I could have had a lot more fun with that bill. Uh huh. So, but this is the issue, and this is why I've told people just to hold on. I think what this really comes down to is that there are other Republicans who want to get credit for this. So that bill that he sent to Urban Affairs, it was sponsored by Brandon Beach, Burt Jones, and some other guys that. You know, are kind of the the big lie, Republicans, and also like right?
0: when was the last time they've ever come to Atlanta besides going to the Capitol building? Like, it's well, not I like-, like to say
1: that Burt gets confused because he he represents Buckhead Georgia, and I think maybe he got lost. But <laughs> right, um, but this is what what the issue is. Bert Jones is running for lieutenant governor. That's right. right? Yep. So is Butch Miller. Mm-hmm. Butch is on the committee on assignments too. Mm-hmm. All right. I think Butch wants to get credit for that bill. So I have a feeling that they're going to have somebody else file it, right? And then it's going to get sent to the, you know, to a committee that it will get out of. But it won't have Burt Jones on it, and it won't have Brandon Beach on it, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So it's like there, it was this kind of this power move, you know. um, (laughs) That's weird. Within the Republican caucus. And that's what is probably going to be the most interesting to watch is kind of the kind of the moves between the two statewide candidates in the same caucus. I see. But do do you still think even with all
0: of that going back and forth that it's going to go anywhere or it's just too murky at this point?
1: Look, I think legally it should be dead. Right. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that Bill White would always complain about how, you know, he was never, um, you know, legislators never talked to him or what, whatever it was, you mm-hmm. know. So we had a committee hearing last week where literally we did it just for him. And we gave him dates. He yep. said he wasn't available. We gave him more dates. He said he wasn't available. Then we came back and said, you choose a date and he's not available. OK, right?
0: so you're giving him every opportunity to make his case,
1: to make his case to the people who represent the city of Atlanta. Right. To, to the people that he is supposed to be convincing, right? Like, it's not. It, it ain't the guy who lives, you know, like. Down in South Georgia. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's,
0: it's really bizarre. I was in Buckhead the other day and I saw one of those signs, those Buckhead city signs. And I, it just, I have a reaction to it because it's like, Oh, okay. Know who you are now.
1: Well, especially because of all the stuff that's come on. I mean, he's just uh, been, I mean, he's, he's had a, he's, he's come after me a couple of times and I've kind of had to laugh a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know. Well, we'll have to follow that story,
0: but it seems like that's maybe fizzling out. Uh,
1: Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see, because I'll tell you the word on the street is, is that Bill White has, and I don't know this, this is just hearsay, Mm -hmm. so, so let me be very clear. All right. The word on the street is, is that Bill White has promised big money, big money to, to these Republicans that are running, you know. To get this thing done.
0: All right. Well, let's be clear. Let's see what happens. Next, uh, you had President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris come in town. They gave a speech on voting rights. You were there?
1: Uh, Yeah, it was crazy. You got a picture with the president? I did. We have not seen yet? Yes, and it's going to be horrific. You know, the big masks and all that. (laughs) And they were like six feet apart from... I was like, of course, this is just my luck. Right. I finally get a picture with the president and the vice president of the United States. And it's just going to be just a hot mess.
0: And when he's meeting you, is he like, Oh, state
1: Senator. Hello. Or so they, they announce you. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is funny. Um, I don't think I've ever. Oh, you got on stage? No, no, no. This is like this whole. They've got this whole operation. Okay, so you get in line, you get announced to come. Oh, I see, I see. Like Um, a meet
0: and greet, like a cattle call kind of thing. Okay, and so
1: you go in behind the curtains, and it's like the president and the vice president, and and it was weird because the vice president was nearer to me, so I was kind of going toward her first, and Uh then I can see the and then I'm like, oh, I don't think that's the protocol, like. I think I'm supposed to to, to greet him first. Like I, it was very confusing for me. So but he was very nice. And um, he said something about a Jordan he knew. And I said, well, you knew Hamilton. And he said, oh, my gosh, yes. Fun fact in terms of Joe Biden, he was the first U.S. senator to endorse Jimmy Carter. Wow. Yep. That's really interesting. Yeah. OK, well, I don't know. That's the fun fact
0: they want to get out there if they're comparing him to Jimmy
1: right now well I'll tell you what that speech was funny because he kept talking about how how he's been around and he's like I've really been around he's kind of Making fun of himself a little bit in terms of his age.
0: Sure. Now, uh, that speech w- did not seem very well received on many levels. Number one, people thought it was the day after the national championship. That was a weird day. Stacey Abrams was not there. That People were talking about that. Uh, people think that, you know, why give a speech on this if this voting rights is they're not going to be able to get it through.
1: Yeah, but that was the whole point of the speech. And that's why it was I had no idea what he was going to say. And basically, the reason that they gathered all and there were I mean, you want to talk about civil rights, folks. It was I think I made the joke to you. I felt like I was like in the like some kind of supersized green room of MSNBC. (laughs) It was like every person I've ever seen go on, you know, MSNBC was there. I mean Ben Jealous and Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and all of the city council, the mayor, the former mayor, you know, the King siblings. It was I was just sitting there like holy moly. All, you know, the entire congressional delegation was there, the Democratic congressional delegation. Right. And so I was like something big is about to happen. And in fact, that was the whole point. The point was he has not supported doing away with the filibuster. The president has actually been the one to say, no, I don't think we should do that, even for voting, right? That was the point of the speech. He announced that he thought that it was time, that this was too important and too significant. I believe the threat to our democracy is so grave that we must find a way to pass these voting rights bills. Debate them, vote, let the majority prevail. And if that bare minimum is blocked, We have no option but to change the Senate rules, including getting rid of the filibuster for this.
0: But they're not going to get it. They're not going to get rid of it. I mean, I mean, it just doesn't it's it just seems like it's kind of dead on arrival at this point. I mean, they can't get. they can't get this mansion in cinema. Cinema is just like. You know, it's funny, I saw going around on Twitter, of course, you know, Twitter will never disappoint you. There's the picture of her. Of her and John
1: Lewis. of jo-
0: And John Lewis, her hero. her hero. What do you think changed with her? What is her mindset? What is that? I don't understand what makes that brain
1: tick. I think it's power. Um, I think it's power. I think, you know, to be in the U.S. Senate and you are basically one of a hundred of the most powerful people in the country, mm-hmm. right? She's basically got all of us in the palm of her hand. And I think she likes it. I mean, I think, you know, that's a, that's it's, a it's a sad thought. But look, so, you know, the president needs to start playing hardball with it.
0: Well, and then you had a lot of voting rights groups who were
1: boycotting it and didn't want to be there. And it d- Well, they were boycotting to some extent because the president had never agreed or or was not on board with doing away with the filibuster that was why it was such an important moment Mm -hmm. because that it, it basically was him telling these civil rights folks i'm with you right and and this is too important not to do
0: It was interesting to me, some of the people who felt his rhetoric was was too harsh and that he was too stinging, which it really, I get such a kick out of all of that within the past four years, you know, here were five years removed from, you know, President Trump who would say crazy things and uh, people are taken aback by uh, some of Biden's most recent speeches, you know, the one on January 6th, which was quite intense and then this one here in atlanta was it did it go too far or is No, the, it, I was
1: sitting there. I mean, I Look, he was very straightforward and he made it clear that we are at we are at a very significant important moment in in our country's life, right? Like there is so much on the line right now. And you know, we've we've had these kind of Times in the past, right, where you had people that were on one side or the other, and his whole point was, which side are you going to be on? How will history judge you?
0: Right, and I think the the people who voted against it are saying, oh, you're saying that you're calling me a racist, or white supremacist, and you know, well, okay, let's move on to. Ba- I want to get, I want to pivot back to Stacey Abrams for a minute because she was not there gave multiple statements why she was not there. Was that a little muddy why she wasn't there? The president of the United States is coming to your state. You're running for governor in that state. What do you think it was it the optics? Did she not want to take away from him? Did she not want to? Is he too toxic right now as far as his poll ratings aren't great? Maybe
1: I don't I don't think that's it. I think a I think she probably already did have something. I mean, this thing was pulled together pretty quickly. Right. Right. But it's the president coming to town. Right. right. There's that. but also, okay. you did have a lot of those kind of a lot of the organizers, a lot of those those voting rights orgs, you know, who have been really pushing for this up right. in D.C. Yep, who who said they weren't going to go that they that it you know kind of a talk is cheap thing until until you do it, you know, we're tired of talking, right? And that's all a speech is. So you know, I'm not sure if there was anything other than maybe she did have something else going on. But I'll tell you it was it 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 was a good speech, I mean, and I'm pretty critical in terms of rhetoric, political rhetoric. It was a very well written speech and um and the vice president gave a good one too, and it just made very clear that this isn't playtime, right? This isn't just politics, it's not just primary you know we're gonna we're gonna do this or do that. This is literally. Our democracy on the line. And we've got to start acting like that is actually what's at risk. Well,
0: I want to have hope in 2022, especially when it comes to back to Stacey Abrams for a minute. How is she going to combat some of this stuff? Like, as we were talking about earlier, the CRT stuff, does she go straight at it? Does she talk about the gun, you know, how everybody can have a gun? Like, so it seems to me like it's just someone who's an outsider. Like they're just letting the pot simmer right now. She's laying low. Maybe that's a reason why she didn't want to show up at that laying low, laying low until it's going to be pretty much in your face this spring.
1: Yeah. I think she's probably in terms of whatever the cray cray that's going on down at the general assembly Um, I think she's going to kind of let that play out, right, Mm -hmm. and see actually what gets passed um, because there's a lot of heated rhetoric, Mm -hmm. a lot of heated rhetoric. The funniest thing today was the governor's floor leader in the Senate stood up and and gave this speech about how the president of the United States came to our state and lied, and he was just all fired up. Uh At the same time, another floor leader in the House was doing the same thing, and I think it was the same speech that they gave. So I was (laughs) like, can y'all at least, like, you know— Get a little creative, do your own work, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so performative in a lot of ways. But look, I think she's just going to be positive right now. I think uh-huh. she is trying to tell the people of Georgia, you know, what her vision for the state is, and and she doesn't need to get mired down in all this, this muck right now.
0: How do you keep a straight face? Through- I don't. I, I, how do you do that? Because... I see some of those speeches and my mind is blown because I'm like, were you, are you Rip Van Winkle? Did you sleep for four years and then just wake up? Like, as far as like, were you missing all the lying and the bombastic speeches and the offensive things? We're like, okay, I think it's fair to feel a president is saying things that are offensive to you and your policies, but
1: it is kind of funny in retrospect.
0: You know what I mean? It's, they're
1: so offended, Let right? Me, like you would not believe the fragility that I see down under the Capitol. I mean, it is crazy in terms of these men. I mean, they are just offended. <laughs> they are offended. Like, oh my gosh, every single day they're offended, and I'm just like, wow, uh,
0: man. Okay, I've got a couple of questions from some of our listeners um that I would like you to an- answer or not answer. So Cheryl Hampton Bohm. Uh, wrote in and said what can happen to the fake electors who forged electoral college votes is there a state law that they can be prosecuted under like yeah what's the deal and this is referring to trying to overturn the election
1: so I was looking at that because I think the attorney general of Michigan Dana Nessel made a statement um, or has taken the position that that slate of electors you know could be prosecuted under Michigan law Mm mm-hmm My question is: I'm not sure how far they went with this, or if they just look. Did they just get on their computers and type it up? And this is now the the new elector names, and then they're just holding it. (laughs) Like, I mean, (laughs) if they didn't do anything official, then probably not. Okay. Okay. Now, if they submitted it and tried to say that this is the official, um slate of electors, then, yeah, that that is that that is arguably actionable. But I don't think they went that far. Again, I think a lot of this was just performative, you know, political
0: Okay, that was a good question. Michael Rennick tweeted in. He said the divide between urban voters and rural voters continues to solidify. How do we bridge the gap between these groups and bring the state together? I recognize this is a big and difficult question, but we need to sort it out as a country. I I, I love that question because I wonder that too. It's just everybody is just so tribal and nobody wants to sit down and have a conversation.
1: I think you just try. I mean, uh, you know. You keep going to people. You keep having the conversation. And look, this is, the, this is, this is my whole thing about, about me. And, you know, I ran in a Republican district or what had been a Republican district. And so I tried not to use labels, right, like in terms of issues or whatever, the, the way that, that kind of the shorthand we use when we talk about political stuff, right, CRT or this or that or whatever. I think we have to talk about our values, right? What do we care about? What do we think is important? And when you start talking about that, you start to realize that the people of this state probably are a lot more alike than not.
0: And that was another interesting point that I saw as far as the 2022 election was a point brought out by Frank Luntz. You know, you remember you took a survey? No, I was in a focus group. (laughs) I love that. I still love that. I felt like I was undercover. And I love that... you would have kicked yourself out, you know, the fact that you got to stay. But he said in 2022, Jen, that January 6th isn't going to drive anything home. People are going to want to talk about inflation, Medicaid, things like that, that, you know, the January 6th commission isn't something that is really going to move the needle with voters.
1: Yeah. And and this is kind of where we have to go back to where we are in our politics, because We shouldn't be doing something just because it's going to move the needle with voters, right? The January 6th commission is important because it needs to do the work to determine exactly what happened. And if we do have folks that maybe, maybe committed treason. I mean, this, this is serious. This isn't just, you know, whatever, what's that congressman from, what's his name, Clyde, who said it was oh, just and, a bunch of and, tourists. And Andrew or Andrew Clyde. Yeah, it was like, that's not what happened. And so it, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, I get that everybody thinks that everything that, that elected officials do is political in nature right. and, 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 and intended to move the needle in terms of votes. But sometimes you just got to do the right thing, you know, to protect our country. Okay. Another question
0: here. This is (laughs) her handle is Becca drawn out of the sixth gerrymandering BS. That's her handle. (laughs) And she says, after Stacey Abrams becomes governor, how quickly can she undo Kemp's guns everywhere laws? Because I expect him to work hard to pass that nonsense. What what are your thoughts
1: on that? Well, she won't be able to do something specific, right? Because... Again, you got the three branches of government. Kemp or the governor or Stacey would be executive. Mm-hmm. The legislature is who makes the laws, right? Now, in terms of what how she could use her power, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there are always ways that a governor can get what they want in their priorities through the legislature. And usually they, they use it through the power of the budget. Um, because the governor in the state of Georgia has something called a – line item veto with okay. respect to that. Okay. And so a lot of times what governors have done is they've used that power to say, legislature, you need to play ball with me or I'm going to take out everything you want and like. <sighs> All about the money. Always it's always about
0: the money. Uh here's another one from Eric Smith. In a hypothetical steal of the 2024 Georgia presidential results by the Georgia legislature. What tools does the Attorney General's office have to resist or block this?
1: Well, it's because you you are protecting the constitutional rights of the voters of Georgia, right? So absolutely. I mean, I would be there on the front lines to make sure that the votes as they are cast um, are counted correctly and that, you know, whomever wins at the end of the day is, in fact, um, the person that the people of this state voted for.
0: So good. So good. All right. We got a lot of questions. I can't answer. I I can't. We can't get to them all. I mean, it's great that I got so much feedback. People really want to talk to you. Um, That's nice. They do. I did this talk at Westminster. This week. What grade? By it, the way. it was ages 14 through 17. It's the performing arts, and it was just all about like how to be a good performer and media. And so I got asked by them, which was so nice. And I was giving my talk and I was talking about podcasting. And I said, I did a podcast with you. And everybody was like, Ooh, like, I was really, That's hilarious. I don't want to say it was surprised because, you know, I mean, you're you, but like, that's a, I mean, these kids were pretty engaged. They had a lot of questions about that, which was cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, young people are paying way more attention than they have in the past. I, I mean, I know how my kid is. I mean, he's kicking my butt in jeopardy. I mean, (laughs) you know, they know what's going on. They have very clear opinions about things. And they understand that there are some people in power who are screwing it up and and screwing up things for them and their future. And I don't think they're happy about it. Well, they were
0: were excited. You know, I told, you know, I was like trying to brag about this whole story about. Because I did drive Billie Eilish around one day, and it did not get the same kind of reaction that I do a podcast with Senator okay. the... Did. the
1: This must have been a very particular group of people
0: because (laughs) I'm not kidding. Billy Eilish, come on! I am not kidding. But anyway, you can believe what you want to believe. But anyway, I'm going to believe. Thanks to the performing arts students at Westminster, that was a lot of fun. I'd never been there. It's a
1: beautiful campus,
0: gorgeous campus. I had a really great time. I want to relay another very funny story about Senator Jen. We had been talking. We haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks because I had COVID. I had re- I had it really, really bad. So I spent the entire time watching this show, Yellow Jackets, on Showtime. And so I told Jen, I was like, Jen, you got to watch this because there's this character who's running for state senator in it. And which is wild because there's a lot of funny little political nuggets in it. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, who has a character that's running for state senate?
0: <laughs> I like, know that's it's bizarre. That's why I was like, "You have to watch it." So Jen decides to watch it, and you love it. Right?
1: It is it it is really creepy and um, interesting, just in terms of group dynamics and psychology and all of that stuff. Very, very well done.
0: Okay, so it's a Friday night. I'm home. My phone's ringing. It's Jen. On a Friday night, calling me in real time, and I'm thinking, this is very unusual. Not that Jen wouldn't call me, but, like, on a Friday night at 9 o'clock, I'm thinking, is the world ending? Is Has the National Guard been called in? Is some opposition research going to drop? Am I in trouble? I go to the worst. Like, I'm like, like my Jen's calling me. She's, like, answered. I'm like, hello. She's like, Jesus, where are the last two episodes of Yellow Jackets? <laughs> and I was like, is that what you're calling? Yeah. Well, there's eight of them. Where are the last two? I, I'll, pay, I'll pay to get them. I'll buy them. I'm like, well, you can't because they're not out yet. Yes,
1: <laughs> I know. I was desperate. I was sitting there with my son and I was like, we were all ready. We we're going to watch it. We sit down and I was like, oh, no. The whole thing hadn't been released. I was like, wait a second. It's gotta be somewhere because I know Mara's watched it. Yes, that
0: was um a really funny moment. And so uh the finale as we're taping, this is probably the finale is on Sunday night. So, you know, you all caught up? Did you Oh I'm I'm caught up. It's uh, fascinating. It's it is a great show. I highly recommend it. Okay, finally the Georgia Bulldogs. Were you very excited? Uh, was that a big night? Did you stay up and watch the whole game? Did you, you know, was it a huge th- deal?
1: Um, uh, No. um, It's a big deal. But, like, I didn't stay up and watch it. My husband did. I think he got to bed, at like, 2.30. But, you know, we had session that day. Right. I mean, I was exhausted from Sunday. <laughs> you know, and th- the day of session, I actually woke up at 3 a.m. because I-, I was so you know, like ju- juiced up, ready to go jittery. And it's like, I just, I, I know what I'm walking into. Um, so I was just exhausted. And so no, and, um, but Lawton and uh, Mr. Bean, you know, they were there till the end.
0: Yeah. Well, Mike, my husband and all his friends, they were all watching it. I, I, I was watching it too. And it was really exciting to see that. And, you know, I do, here's one thing I do I, it is so annoying to see the
1: politicians like,
0: "See, we got the best of you. We won the Braves and we won the Bulldogs as if that ha- has to do with anything." Well,
1: you know what I say? I I think it's God blessing us because we elected two Democrats to the US
0: <laughs> By the way, congratulations to Senator John Ossoff. He I had, know and
1: Alicia. They had a baby. A baby girl. You know, he is going to make a great girl daddy. He's so good.
0: I I, you know that was a little creepy (laughs) I I have to say both of them are just terrific I mean they're I think they're both doing a great job
1: and um well talk about I mean what a great job was done keeping that under wraps I mean nobody knew about it until they had the baby it's amazing yeah it's incredible but Good for them. It, it's it's
0: it's. I hope this year we'll get to talk to one of them on the podcast. Do you have any pull? I mean, uh, no, no,
1: I have no pull
0: whatsoever. <laughs> uh, well, I'll try. I'll use my you, talent. Booking you, skills. My, my guess is you've got more. Pull uh, Jake Best, you know who is uh, his media. You know who's you know his media his champion. Um, I'll talk to, to him <laughs> to see. I remember I did a Instagram live with with. Uh, I know, I know, because you talked
1: about it a lot with me. <laughs> a,
0: a lot, a lot. Like, I still can't let it go. Um, all right, well, I'm excited for a full year of more Vote Her podcast. We want to thank all of you for listening. I mean, it's it really, when we get feedback from you telling us that you listen to this, it really means so much. It goes such a long way. I can't tell you how how much it, it delights. It del- really delights me, Jen.
1: Yeah, no, look, it's fun for me. And um it's always interesting to hear what people are interested in. Yeah. And you know, and you know I love talking process and all that stuff. Well, and if Jen calls you on a Friday night, know yeah. that
0: she just wants to know where the season finale of Yellow Jackets is.
1: You know, let's end it like we should. Go dogs.
0: <gasps> Go dogs. And thanks, Christina Laringer, for producing. We will talk to you next time.